Hello and welcome to Can You Hear Me at the Back, the podcast about all things voice and communication. Hi Andrea. Hey Leon. In a sound and a movement. How are you feeling? <laughs> I don't feel like that needs any explanation or discussion. I don't even know. I I think I've been working a lot with the soft palette recently. And then it just came out. And I wanted to give it to people. So I did the movement with it. Leon, in a sound and a movement, how are you feeling? Only because my head hurts. Oh. I think I've. I think my blood pressure just raised for no particular reason. Hmm. So it's a bit tingly. That's not good. I mean, it's a, it's a daily thing of my life. <laughs> I'll go to the doctor next week and they'll sort it out. That's good. It's basically just more drugs. Yay, more drugs. Um, don't take drugs, kids, unless they're prescribed. Drugs are bad. Okay. So what are we talking about today? Um, we are talking about voice and acting. Voice and the actor. Voice and the actor. A book by Cicely Berry. It is. Um, oh, dear Cicely Berry. But um, voice and acting. Yes. What was it we said in the ep two eps ago? Um, so, this, so this is one of the offshoots, again, from um, the episode where we talked about what's a voice coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had talked about coaching in three different aspects. So um, coaching in the anatomical and sociological aspects, um, in the acne- acting um, or voice and acting um, aspect, and then voice as in teaching, um, coaching voice in communication for voice users mm. um in a professional context and that and that kind of a thing um and like a corporate kind of a uh presentational aspect so this is voice and acting um uh yes as my friend said the other day about corporate coaching mm. he was like well that's when you work with normal people right <laughs> i was like well normal with a small wow. m but sure um he was wow. like as opposed to us i was like Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose that's kind of true. Um, actors are people. Actors are people too. As we expressed Hashtag in our last episode. actors are people too. Yeah. Peoples. I mean, I can't conjugate anything today. Well, it's very New York-like people, so we use peoples. Do you? Yeah. Peoples. Mm-hmm. In the apple. <laughs> Big apple. Sure. Throwback to that was a one. long time. <laughs> <laughs> Our sound quality has gotten a lot better since then. It is. We've worked out how to make it bi-directional mm. in pickup and also... We basically just learned how to use our mic again. <laughs> and, and audition. Yeah. And we found a stand. Mm. I mean, you guys don't need to know this. Mm. That's not important right now. No. Um, let's talk about voice and acting. Sure. Um. So, mm. yeah. were you going to ask me a question? No, I was... Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I have here... Um, that there, it's the expression within an imaginative construct, the art of making yourself heard and understood in a manner that's unnatural to the self, but appears natural to others. You said that. Did I say that? You said it, and I wrote it down because I oh. thought I thought we're gonna need that, and also that sounds really that sounds really um, sounds kind of smart. I must have had sleep concrete. that day. I've had almost no sleep today. You did have sleep that day. Mm, yeah, I think it was you like slept after a lot. My ten and a half hour yeah. Shift. Of sleep. Mm-hmm. Sure. I had four hours sleep, so fine. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, an expression within a with an imaginative construct or context. Like it's just yeah, it's like yeah, it's imagined. Mm. It's all it's all it's all crazy. It's all not real. Mm. You're living in a world that doesn't really exist, and yet it does exist. It exists in your mind. It exists on in that playing space. Mm. It exists in the minds and hearts, dare we say, of the audience <laughs> members. They're doing it right. So, <laughs> so poetic. Um, but but often it doesn't feel natural to self. Right. I had a, an Instagram message from somebody who came to see me in the show the other week. And she said, I've just been watching your Instagram videos about coming to do accent classes or acting classes or whatever. And I was like, oh yeah. And she said, you sound so different from your character. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's called acting. <laughs> and it's called vocal characterization choice. And mm. she's, she's just, it was just astonishing. I just, I didn't, I thought you were, you know, terribly posh. And I'm like, no, I'm really not. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it sort of worked. And, you know, she was terribly nice about it. But it's been, it was interesting to sort of have, have somebody point that out mm. and just say, hey, you sound different. Well, yeah. There is somebody, um, and I want to say it was, I want to say it was Ethan Hawke, but I can't remember who it was, um, who was talking about the difference between um, fans um, and fans of theater and fans of film Hmm. and television, and that um, there, um, and that there tends to be this idea and the, there tends to be a step. No, I don't think it was Ethan Hawke. I think it was Martin Freeman. But anyway, um, there tends to be so different. Very, Ethan very different Hall, people. Martin Freeman. <laughs> I don't know why. So different. But there tends to be this idea that um, and that in theatre there's a separation. So there's a person on the stage, and then that person on the stage gets off the stage and has a life and uh, goes and does something. Okay. But because film and television, um, you might not see that person. You, do you know what I mean? That like that's the only representation mm-hmm. that you see of them mm-hmm. ever. Um, that people get confused about what is the actor's voice and what is the I'm sorry, what is the character's voice and then what is you as an actor, as a person mm-hmm. roaming around the world's mm-hmm. voice. And that those tend to in a lot of people's minds, especially in television and, and film, tend to converge into one entity mm-hmm. that gets put onto you. I also think it's to do with people having to leave the house. That's it. Mm. I think it's also to do with if you go and watch something in the cinema, which I don't do because people annoy me. <laughs> Just wait for it to come out on DVD or streamed on Netflix. I'm so old. DVD, please. I know. I anyway. Like... <laughs> um, can't remember the last time I bought a DVD. Although we did watch one the other day. Elaine Stritch, Live at Liberty. Oh, oh so good. love her. Oh, my God. Um... But if you have to leave the house to go and watch something, mm. um, if you go to the cinema, then yeah, you might see something. Mm. But it's very, you're very consciously at the cinema. You're, mm. you're not in the room with that person mm. unless you happen to go to the premiere, mm. but or a special screening. Um, but the other place that you're going to watch films and watch the predominance of television or streaming services, maybe even a DVD if you're aged, is um, I saw DVD. is at home. It's yeah. at home. So you're sitting there in your pants watching it. You mm. know, like, you just, so what? Whereas when you go to the theatre, you're very, very certainly with lots of other people and there is genuinely a human being breathing the same air as you, mm. doing acting right. in front of you. Um, and then 
the fourth wall breaks and everybody applauds them at the end and they right. take a bow to mm. say thank you and to, 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 to you know, um, placate the audience. And th- that sort of thing. And so there's this, there's this interaction which is you clapping, going, yay, well done, and the actor going, thank you very much, and, mm. and thank you for paying attention, and thank you for, you know, being here, and mm. how wonderful. Okay, I'm going now. Mm. And then the curtain falls, and then they, the actors walk off stage. So there's a sort of finite quality to it, but yet you've still been in the room with that person. Right. Um, whereas you can pause your streaming service. Yeah. You can pause your movie... <laughs> And, and and make a cup of tea or make dinner or, 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 or stop it and watch it the next day. Or, yeah. So there's a kind of... There's a kind of control that you have over it that you don't have over theatre yeah. in the same way. So it kind of... I think that I think that does mess with people's heads. Yeah. I, I mean, and I mean, and that's all about perception, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I think there's something really unique about um, acting and voice and perception. Um that goes with that as well um i there was um because this happens a lot with accents particularly um where people get um uh for instance i for the longest time did not know that idris elba was british (laughs) (laughs) um because i had only seen him in american movies and then that just that and the wire right so and the wire which is like one of my favorite shows um but yeah so i i didn't i did i had no idea um that he i didn't either for ages, oh. for ages. And then he was in Luther yes. on the BBC. And I was like, what a great accent. <laughs> you were like, what a great accent. I was like, oh my God, he's from Hackney. Because I knew where in London he was from because I could tell. And then I was like, oh my God, he's from Hackney. And then I Googled him and I was like, oh, he genuinely is from Hackney. <laughs> he's How actually exciting. from Hackney. Actually from here. How brilliant. Um, yeah, and then when they were making Luther, I was up for quite a lot of the episodes and never got a part. So no. thanks, guys. Thanks, Luther. They're doing another season, aren't they? Are they? I think so. I read something. I get um, <laughs> go, um, I get Google notifications about Idris Elba. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I think Google just knows that I Google him a lot. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I it's think Google quite Alerts sad. is quite separate from Google, Googling, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's true. Let's pretend it? that that's not a thing and that you're not stalking Idris Elba. I love you. Um, In a non-creepy way. Um, <laughs> it's going slightly creepy. <laughs> um, yes. So acting and, and voice and stuff, mm-hmm. rather than fawning over Idris Elba. Um, so, the act of communicating with a large group of people mm-hmm. in theatre, let's stick with theatre for a bit. Yeah. Why not? Um, speaking to a large group of people is not like having a conversation um, within the pickup area of a microphone or within the confines of a three feet distance that you might be sitting across a table having a conversation with. Yeah. It's, it's different. Mm-hmm. And yet you have to make it look like you are having that intimate conversation and yet allow the audience to hear you. Mm. Especially in an acoustic manner. Mm. You do, if you're not mic'd, which the vast majority of plays haven't been, but mm-hmm. they seem to be, it seems to be creeping in mm-hmm. here and there. And that does also depend on the level of intermediality. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, as in... Uh, well, words. Uh, yeah, like sounds and soundscapes and uh, projections and that sort of stuff. And and so how much um, media is there in the show? And so, you know, rather than make the actors fight with amplified sound, you might as well help them out mm. in that context. But often and traditionally doesn't need it yeah I think um, two things come to mind because I mean I think that's the whole thing about 
projection. Hmm. Um, I wrote a paper about that. Which, yeah, so sure. um, But then um, Barbara Hasman said something really interesting at the Northampton... Midlands Voice Conference. Midlands Voice Conference that happened in Northampton. It did. Um, when she was talking about the difference in, in projection um, and it just being... Um, and and one of the things that is having the intention of even though we're having a conversation here, but having the outward attention mm. of it being yes a communication mm. um, that needs to reach other people, even though it's something that's happening right here, it needs to reach something else, mm. um, which also reminds me of the circles, the <laughs> the Patsy Rodenberg circles with the with the the circle of intimacy, the circle of um, the circle of communication. Um, and that being kind of the goal um, in terms of voice and in terms of um, acting with the voice um, and um, allowing that communication, yes, to happen on stage between two people, but also to include other people in that communication. Um, and also there's something quite interesting. And um, I used to have, I, I had a professor who once told me that um, <laughs> that film um, was a little bit um fascist in a way because the director um you can only see what the director wants you to see yeah that's true whereas in theater you you can look at anything you can look at anything um and there's something in terms of voice that also that that also allows that as well mm. because there's editing in a movie um oftentimes or in television and, and there's adr and yeah exactly dialogue recording yeah for all those uh, who don't know the lingo, but um, <laughs> but there, but there, there's, there's very um, uh, there, there isn't much of that in theater, and so a lot mm. of times, even if there is a mic or there's amplification in some mm. kind of way, um, y- you're still getting as much of the source as 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 possible in mm. that kind of sense, um, and that communication level as well. But then there's also kind of, I mean, because we communicate in very different ways sometimes. So there is a communication of, um, you know, of kind of like, oh, I've got a secret and I don't know what to, like there are different voices that go into that. Mm. Um, but also knowing that, um, um, that so there's an artistic choice in being able to use it. But then there's also, um, linking back to the last episode, a physiological um, and anatomical um a d- difference that happens as well to create that sound and whether or not you are a person who wants to be conscious of the the anatomy that you're using and the physio- um, the physiology that goes with that or whether you're a person who's just like I'm just going to work with the uh, with the with with the thought of it and put it into my body and see what happens hmm. um, which is where it should get to in the end anyway because mm-hmm. you can't think about doing something uh, physiological anatomical while you're performing and if you are then you're clearly not in it somebody once said to me and I don't know who it was but they were they're amazing and it stuck with me and I and I say it to my students all the time um is that the voice work that you do is for the rehearsal or for your classes mm. um by the time you get to the stage um it should be in you mm-hmm it's too late to do voice work if yeah, you're yeah. on if yeah. you're on stage. Like yeah. that is not the time to do it. Yeah, don't do um, the work on stage. Yeah, that's when it needs to look effortless. Yeah. Otherwise, we're like, why are you doing an exercise? Yeah. So many students are still doing yeah. exercises in assessments. Yeah. Why, why are you showing me you're doing it? Stop it. Yeah. The thing that occurred to me while you were talking, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Patsy's um, circles, is to do with the notion that 
when you're speaking on stage, you have to invite people in rather mm. than rather than project to them, which right. I know Barbara has a, an issue with, yes. um, with the term projection, which we talked about at length repeatedly. Um, I'm, I'm sure we still will, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is always a joy. But it's one of those things that, um, and I completely agree with her, it, and, and to sort of define terms, mm. um, I did make sure that I was saying that this was this was because most people know it to be projection and right. we understand it as audibility. So I defined my terms clearly. Right. But the point was really that actually what she was saying is that you're not sending something out. What you're doing is you're asking people to to come to you. So mm-hmm. you bring the audience to you, don't go to the audience. Otherwise you right. feel like you're shouted at, which I completely agree with and I absolutely know what she means. And But there is a thing insofar as if you are inaudible, the audience is is left outside. Right. Is left on their own. They haven't got the opportunity to actually come and be a part of. Then they're, they're not being invited. Mm. So they, it has to be sufficiently audible for the listener in the auditorium to be able to hear what's going on, mm. and then you can play with how 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 sort of tightly you pull them in mm. or how far you leave them sort of sitting in the backs of their seats mm. um, because there's only so much sort of craning to listen that audiences will put up with yeah and then people are accused of mumbling oh yes and doing all that sort of stuff and then and and sometimes that's to do with not having created enough sound in the first place right sometimes that's to, to do with imprecise diction or, right. or articulation sometimes that's to do with not acknowledging the critical distance which is a thing from sound design mm. and some acoustics mm. and about how we hear and that the critical distance is the distance between the end of the vocal tract, i.e. your lips or nose, and then the the, the ear of the listener. Right. Yeah. So you have to allow the sound to travel at its 330 metres per second across 330 metres, 330 whatever it is metres per second, mm. that they're going across the across the auditory, hitting the ear of the listener mm. and then it being translated into sounds and ideas and thoughts and feelings and responses. Right. But if you garble it, it's mm. not it's not going to if it's too quick and you've not acknowledged that distance, then the the audience member is unable to stay with you. Yeah. And keep up. That is that is ninety percent of the notes that I give my students. <laughs> because I'm like, I understand that you're acting um and i was like i'm 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 not your acting teacher so i'm not i'm not giving you notes on acting i was like i just i i can't understand what you're saying mm-hmm. and i can't understand what you're saying because you're saying it to and i know this because i get this all the time. i'm a new yorker i talk way too quickly um but i and so i understand when somebody's like I just I just heard what you said because you you hear that a lot even in, in just like in regular current communication when you say and it's like I just heard what you said mm. which is the the process of I heard the word and then and then I linked it to the thought and mm. then I put it in the context mm. and that sometimes does take a while especially when you're working with big images and you're working with big um yeah. grand ideas yeah. um and even and I think sometimes it can get a little bit tricky because if you're an actor, you've been working with this for quite some time. You've been rehearsing it. It's in your body. It's in you, um, and you've created this great and beautiful thing around it that you know intimately. Um, and sometimes you can get a little bit. Well, I I'm very comfortable in this, and I know this, and this is me now. Um, but everyone else is hearing it for the first time, normally, mm. um, and so they need time 
um, to understand or to at least look at or be able to appreciate the work that you've done. Um, so allowing that to happen as well is something that's quite important. Um, but I get, uh, I get to but, um, articulate, I mean, sometimes I just work with people on vowels and just being like, what vowel? <laughs> you know, what, which of the vowels is, is it that, that you can use in this space that's going to hit um, someone so they can actually hear mm. the word? And what's important in the word so that I understand the, I understand the word? Because what are the phonemic differences that give me the word? Um, because sometimes you don't need everything to understand what the word is. Mm -hmm. um, but then in some cases, and the difference between, um, if we're going to look at like Manoel Pair, it's bad and bat, right? Sometimes I need the T to know that you're talking about a bat and not, and not that you're talking about something that is bad. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's, it's a matter of that. So. <laughs> and, and also that, you know, if you heed somebody's advice rather than hid somebody's advice. Yes. I mean, you can't, you can't hide advice. It's, you, 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 you can't have hid it. Um, <laughs> that's not a thing you can do with advice, but you can heed it. Yes. Um, you could also have it in your head. So you, but you wouldn't head someone's advice. <laughs> but so like, yeah. the, just the vowel shift is going to, is going to change the meaning. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do with, with students when we're doing, phonetics and accents just go yeah. hey let's list all of the checked vowels and all of the long vowels yeah with 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 an h and a d or with a you know a t and a p or something so mm. we've got you know teep tip tep tap top 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 toop teep mm. whatever tup um and they're like oh the schwa sound doesn't mean anything in this context mm. yeah tup is not a word top is um, but, but that, yeah, yeah but so then, then we go, huh, that's interesting. We're and just moving and what's really great is that, so I've, I've got a lot of classes with um, people who don't have English as a first language. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so um, even though we know that um, top doesn't mean anything, um, if you're coming from a different language, it's going to throw you off. Yep. Isn't it? Because everyone who, who's got it as a first language goes, oh, no, no, that means nothing. I know that. But then they may go, well, why? Doesn't it? Isn't that? Isn't that what top is? Tip is not. Is that not the same thing? Because they don't have those phonemic differences in an uh and an ah uh or whatever that is. And, and, so then and what's the difference between the tip and the top? Exactly. I mean, is that not the same thing? It's it, ostensibly it is the same thing. The, but, yeah. But, well, but you can have a tippy of, top. Right. But you mm -hmm. could also have the top of something that is flat. But, but the tip of something would be the the, the very the, the peak. Yes. So the we point. make these sort of lexical differences yeah and you make these sort of descriptive differences about mm. what certain things mean in language yeah and that you might just say like the high bit yeah yeah you know like yeah if, but if that's the top or if that's the tip it doesn't make any difference and this is one of the things i love about language and i feel like we, we've gone language always <laughs> i don't go know language. how we get to language from voice and acting but i think this is really important for acting and i do this in, in voice as well it's is it, that um i tell my students that um the writer has chosen particular words and if they're a good writer um they've chosen particular words to um, evoke something that wouldn't happen if they had chosen other words. So right. even though you've got, um, say, tip, right, instead of top, and you think, um, as a person, I was like, well, what's the difference between a tip and a top? I was like, but you have a different reaction to the word tip mm -hmm. than you do top. Mm -hmm. And there's something about tip, I mean, in my mind, and I think that's where the work starts. It was like, where I go, oh, tip. Well, what is my connection to tip and not top? And what is and what are the questions that make me ask that question? Like, what... 
questions does that lead me to? Mm. Um, and then you can start to do all kinds of beautiful work outside of that. And I applaud that. And I was like, yeah, go and find that. But my deal is that you're specific with the language and that you know that there's a reason that, um, that, that something is as specific as it is why some somebody is furious and not angry right and i and i say that as well often yeah. and i also use it in, in a sort of personal context with that as well and say and talk about the number of writers that i know mm. um who are friends of mine who genuinely will wake up in the middle of the night and go oh, it needs to be livid and not angry <laughs> like yeah no, furious mm. uh you know why is, you know, whatever it might be, it could be any of these other sorts of words that you would have, any of these synonyms. Mm. And it ostensibly means the same thing, yeah. but it elicits a different um, feeling response, a sense response, a mm. sensory response. Yeah. And so that's important. And to diminish that by paraphrasing or doing any of those sorts of cardinal sins <laughs> is just not on. Just stop it. Stop it immediately, Andrea. <laughs> I don't do it. I, I know my students do it, but I'm just like, no, it's specific for a reason. And it's hard work. Yeah. I think that's another thing yeah. too, is that it's, it's definitely hard work. Um, but then, I mean, to bring it back to the communication and the voice and the actor and the communication and um, the, the second sure. circle, yeah. um, is that, you know, and we talked about before about an imaginative construct. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this wonderful um, philosophical idea of, of language and words creating worlds, right? Like, mm. um, and so the specific language that you have, the specific worlds that you have create a specific environment. Yep. They create a specific imagination. And if you as an actor are on stage creating something um, or have created something internally that you're bringing external, um, you need to... You need, you need to provide the rules for that, mm. right? That you need to... Um, you as a person, as an actor, need to know that there's a difference between tip and top. Mm. Um, but then you also need to convey that to the audience because they they most likely will not know, right? There's not um, and 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 there are some shows where yes, you have to do some research before you, you or you should do some research before you go in and sit down. But like nine times out of ten, you're going to get people who sit down don't know anything about the context of the show or the author or anything of that nature, and they've come to be entertained or they've come to to have this experience with mm. you and it is um your job in voice in in voice language movement um and, and performance to convey um the rules of the imaginative construct that you and your fellow actors have been building yeah and as soon as you flout one of those rules uh, oh, using a flout word. you're so annoying <laughs> <laughs> we're inside joking each other but as soon as you flat one of those rules yeah. the magic is broken guys yeah my friend used to go shh you'll spoil it which is always a bit creepy that is um because he did it very close to my face often um but yeah you're, very, you're quite right Andrea. Yeah. yes what did you what's your realization from this our 14th app of can you hear me at the back a podcast um, about all things voice and communication um what is oh what is my realization mm. um oh gosh i'm really with the uh, the word imaginative construct um and <laughs> i really like that um and the realization is um 
that voice and language are so important or an important tool um, in conveying the story. And that words convey particular and precise meaning. Mm, she said con- particularly concisely and particularly. <laughs> Leon, mm. what is your realisation from this episode? My realisation is that we've barely even scratched the surface. Oh, yeah. And there is so much to voice and acting. Mm. Separately and together. Like an interesting couple at a dinner party. Ooh. So much to them together, so much to them separately. Mm. And you have to have a good hour's conversation with both of them independently. And then sit down with the two of them and be like, hey, how does it work with you two? Because this is fabulous. Um, that is a perfect like, metaphor. That's absolutely... I went to a dinner party yesterday. Um, <laughs> very <laughs> interesting people like there. But yeah, it's kind of this really... It's this kind of relationship and you're looking at it. And there is so much to it. Mm. Um, and I think more of that anon with people like the aforementioned... Ms. Houseman mm. um, and some other wonderful voice coaches but uh, mm. because they'll have a lot to say mm, and yeah. we know that and um, and different perspectives from it too yeah I think we we both are quite language um, <laughs> we, we're, savvy not really we're, we're language people geeky no yeah we're, we're quite Nerd. geeky um, and what is it? And I had an in-depth conversation about the difference between a geek and a nerd too because that's, that's a whole oh. other thing mm-hmm um, but yes. If you want to contact us about anything we said in the podcast, you can reach us on Twitter at Can You Hear Pod, or on Instagram at Can You Hear Me Podcast, or you can search for us on Facebook and on YouTube, or email us at Can You Hear Me at the Back at gmail.com. You can find me, Leon, on Twitter at Leon Trayman. Or me, Andrea, at Andrea Fudge on Twitter. Please support the podcast by subscribing as a patron on our Patreon site. The link is in the show notes. To keep the podcast advertisement free, as well as get access to cool extra stuff, discounts, bonus episodes, as well as supporting ongoing voice research funding as well. Okay, love you, bye!